Hi there, this is Darren Spoo, pastor at First Baptist Church in Tulsa, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. We would invite you to join us in person Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 o'clock in downtown Tulsa, or check out our webpage at tulsafbc.org. God bless you, and have a great week. So if you were alive in the 1970s, or you grew up in the 1970s, you know a name. When I say this name in a moment, it will need no explanation. You'll know who I'm talking about instantly. Evil Knievel. I wonder how many of you remember him. And even if you weren't alive in the 70s, you might know about him, that he was a stunt man. He did most of his stunts on the back of a motorcycle. He would jump over 14 Greyhound buses. He would jump over the fountains at Caesar Palace. He would jump over a pit of rattlesnakes. He's always jumping over something. There's kind of an urban legend that grew up around Evil Knievel, that he had broken every bone in his body, and that's not quite true. What is true is that Evil Knievel holds the record for the most broken bones, and it's estimated by the time he retired in 1981, he had broken a bone 433 times. Can you imagine that? I mean, there's a man who is committed to being a stunt man. So we're talking about the cross as we get closer to Easter. And I think it's worth asking, what is the cross all about? Because even people who don't know too much about Jesus probably know that he died on a cross, but have you really stopped to think about what that was all for? Was it just a stunt? Was Jesus trying to impress us with something that we still hadn't figured out exactly what that is? Or instead of a stunt, was Jesus' death a sacrifice? Was there something intentional about it? And he wasn't trying to impress us. He was trying to address the deepest needs of the human heart. That the cross was not about producing some kind of hype. The cross had the goal of producing in us, in our hearts, hope. Hope of something that's out there if we just think about it. So, so since the beginning of the year, we've been walking through the Gospel of Luke. Now we're coming into Luke chapter 23 and a little kind of a mini-series within our Luke series called Near the Cross. And I had this experience years ago when I went to the Air and Space Museum at the Smithsonian. I walked in and there was Friendship 7. This was John Glenn's capsule that he, he used to travel around the earth. And I walked up to it because I was, I've been for my whole life kind of a John Glenn fan, and I wanted to touch Friendship 7. And as I got close to it, I put my hands on it, but there was a coat of plexiglass between me and that space capsule, and I wanted more than anything else to penetrate through that plexiglass to actually touch this space capsule, but I was prevented from doing so. So we reach back over 2,000 years to touch the cross, and we can't do that directly. We weren't there historically, but what we have in Luke 23 are people who are so near the cross that either they did or they could have touched it for themselves. And so through their experience, through their eyes, I want us to touch, to come as close as we can to touching the cross and remember Jesus wasn't just trying to impress us. He was trying to address the deepest needs of the human heart. So this is Luke 23. Last week we talked about Simon of Cyrene. He did carry the cross. And, and here now are the soldiers who put Jesus on the cross. So this is Luke 23, starting in verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, isn't that 
a pretty good nickname for a place that people go to die. They came to a place called the Skull, and there they crucified him along with criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him, and they said, well, Jesus, he he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, if he's the chosen one. The soldiers also came up, and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar, and they said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. So as Luke talks about the crucifixion, he talks about it in very sparing terms. He doesn't go into a lot of gory details as, as Mel Gibson would in his movie. He uses very sparing terms because everybody in the Roman world knew what was involved in a Roman crucifixion. Probably everyone who read this had seen one for themselves. It needed no description. I think a little history here is in order. The Romans didn't invent crucifixion. It was actually the Persians 600 years before Jesus who invented crucifixion, but it was the Romans who perfected it. They knew how to to wring every bit of agony out of the human body while a person was conscious, and when they couldn't take any more, that's when death would finally come. And listen, when death is considered a gift, then life has become pretty bad, right? And so it was the Romans that perfected this idea of crucifixion. Now think about this. If the Persians invented crucifixion 600 years before Jesus and crucifixion was legal 300 years after Jesus, for a full 1,000 years, for a millennia, people were crucified. So here's a little quiz. Can you name people from history who were crucified? Now, obviously, you would say Jesus, but if I were to press you into a corner, could you mention, could you name anybody else? Again, a thousand years of history. Could you name one other person that was crucified? Well, if you know your movies, you might mention Spartacus. If you know your Christian history, you might be able to remember that Peter, Jesus' disciple, was crucified but upside down because he felt he wasn't worthy to die in the same manner of his Lord. But, but if I were to press you for more, okay, give me some other names of people that were crucified. You, you probably wouldn't be able to name many more names, if, if at all. So why is it that we remember Jesus' crucifixion? Why does it seem to be burned into our collective global memory that this man was crucified. What was special about this crucifixion? Well, to the soldiers that were there, nothing was special about this one. Listen, if you were a soldier and you were attached to crucifixion duty, I mean, you would do a crucifixions every day, right? It was just part of what you did. There might be 10 one day. There happened to be three on this day. Maybe the next day there would be another 20. I mean, they just, it was kind of like an assembly line. Henry Ford, by the way, he when he first introduced the Model T, he could build a Model T in about 12 and a half hours, but when he perfected the assembly line, he started producing a Model T every 93 minutes. And at the height of his Highland Park factory, he could pump out a new Model T every 40 seconds. He just knew how to roll them through. That's exactly what the Roman guards thought about crucifixion. It was just a process. They just pushed people down the assembly line or the disassembly line, and they dispatched them into the next world if there was one at all. 
There was nothing special for these soldiers about the crucifixion of Jesus. And that's what I want us to talk about today. These soldiers, their hearts were hard. And we're going to look specifically at, at four things these soldiers did in just, in just a moment. But could we just sit on this idea for just a moment? These soldiers, their, their hearts were hardened, which leads me to ask this question of you. How's your heart today? How's your heart? Is your heart hard toward the things of God and compassion toward people, or is your heart soft? I uh, recently went on a cruise. This was my son's graduation cruise, graduation from high school, kind of a senior trip that we planned to take two years ago. And now that he's a junior in college, you know, because of COVID, has been kicked back. So we took a cruise last week. And one of my wife's favorite things to do on a cruise is to go watch the ice skating. Yes, there is ice skating on a cruise. So we go to an evening performance, we get our tickets, we go and we sit in this ice rink and we watch these skaters perform. You think ice skating's tough, try doing it on board a ship that's, that's moving, that's listing back and forth, pretty good. But there was a man sitting behind us who I didn't see before we sat down, but whenever somebody would do a triple axle or whenever you know, one skater would hold another over his head, this guy would just erupt, he'd go, oh, this is wonderful, this is fantastic, I can't believe this. And I'm thinking, as I'm watching the skaters, I'm thinking, this guy is smashed behind me. I mean, it's a cruise after all, right? So he's, he's probably drunk, and he's probably just crazy talking right now. And so at the end, kind of the grand finale, this guy loses it behind us. He's just, this is the greatest thing in the world. I turned to my wife, and I said, I can't wait to get a look at this guy. So at the end, the lights come up. We're all done. I turn around, and everything changes. It's a man in a wheelchair and his legs are strapped together to hold them in place, and the top half of his body is given to tremors, and he can't stop it, he can't control it. And I'm thinking, here's a man who's never experienced the freedom of movement that I've just witnessed. To me, it's a great show. To him, it's an absolute pleasure to watch grace in motion. And all of a sudden, I was confronted with the hardness of my own heart, that I've become so skeptical, that I've become the kind of person that says, if anybody's having a good time, they must be drunk or crazy. Here's a man who just knew the pleasure or could experience the pleasure of free movement through the skating of others. I was confronted with the hardness of my own heart. How's your heart today? What do you say we take our hearts and, and put it here next to the cross, near the cross? Because Jesus is not just crucified to impress us. He's, he's crucified to address the deepest needs of the human heart. So would you notice what the soldiers do? They do four things. First of all, they divide up Jesus' clothes in verse 34. They're taking, and this is one of the perks of working on crucifixion detail, that whatever the criminals had on their person the soldiers could divide up and take home. Can you just imagine how insulting this is? By the way, Jesus was not crucified with a loincloth draped around him. We, we do that. We represent it in art for our own comfort, not for historical accuracy. Jesus was crucified naked. They took his clothes. And just the, kind of the insult to injury of this, if, if you were Jesus' mother and Mary was there, to want that garment, the last garment Jesus ever wore, so she thought. Well, that was taken. These soldiers just lived in a, in a mindset of greed, of how much can we take, how much can we get, and somebody's dying right here. Not only that, the soldiers, 
I think they want to get numb, all right? So it says that they, they came up and they mocked Jesus and they offered him wine vinegar. So, so let's talk about what's going on here. Um, there is a brand of vodka that sells for $3.75 million a bottle. This vodka is filtered through diamonds. It's actually filtered through sand made out of diamonds. I mean, it's an incredibly expensive bottle of vodka, right? That is not this. Wine vinegar is all the way on the other end of the drink spectrum. This was the drink of the common man. This was the cheapest liquor that could be found. And something's happening here at the foot of the cross. The soldiers are getting drunk. They're having a party here. They've got to wait hours for this person to be crucified. They're on crucifixion detail. What else do you do? Well, let's gamble a little bit and let's get plastered. But I see more than them just getting drunk here. And, and by the way, in their partying and their merriment, they go, hey, Jesus, you want a drink? Come on, join the party, right? I don't think the soldiers could do crucifixion detail for too long without it doing something to the human psyche, without it distorting and deforming. I mean, think about uh, Nazi Germans who oversaw concentration camps. Something happens that warps the human soul when you take life and when you treat death so flippantly. So why were they drinking this wine vinegar? To go numb. Something was hurting in their human heart. They become so hard and they were wanting to numb the pain even if they wouldn't say it exactly that way. So they were taking, they were numbing, they were mocking. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, what are the soldiers here doing? They're repeating what they've heard the other leaders say around the cross. They're, they're getting drunk and they're just parroting what they hear other people saying here. Can I encourage you with this? And we'll, we'll come to this in just a moment, but make up your own mind about Jesus. I know you have friends and family members that say things about Jesus and sometimes I hear people parrot just what they've heard other people say. Make up your own mind about Jesus. So they take, they numb, they mock, and they ignore what's happening right in front of them. There's a sign over Jesus that says, this is the king of the Jews. And John tells us in his gospel that Pilate put those words here. And here, those words that were meant as mockery actually reveal reality about Jesus and who he is. But the soldiers completely ignored it. So did anything that happened here get through to the soldiers? And we don't know. We're not told. Ernest Hemingway in the last century, he would write a short play called This is Friday. And in it, he would record a conversation between these soldiers. And there's one soldier and his other friends kind of make fun of him. But they go to a tavern after the crucifixion. And all this one soldier can say is, he looked good in there today. And then the conversation continues and that soldier comes back and he says again, he looked really good in there today. And then the conversation continues, they make fun of him a little bit. And then he, then he finally says the last time he goes, he looked good in there today to me. We don't know what happened to this soldier's heart. And maybe the point of the story is, is not what happened to their heart, but what happens to our heart? And I wanna come back to that question. How is your heart? 
you know, we still do a lot of the same things these soldiers do. We, we go through life and we take, take, take. We think that consumption and greed will satisfy the deepest longing of our heart, and it, it doesn't even take the edge off. Um, by the way, I, I've long taken exception with the prosperity gospel that if I follow Jesus, that he's required to bless my life financially. I, I just want you to think about how insulting that is, that Jesus was not crucified so we could drive the newest car. But even we've turned Christianity into something that, that we want to take, take, take. I think we practice numbness in our culture a lot. And this can take several forms. Sometimes we go home and in the evening and just turn on the TV and just, just to go numb. I, I don't want to sound critical or judgmental here, but look at all the cannabis shops that have popped up around Oklahoma. And you can think about all the social ills that we have that would contribute to that. But just think about this. How much pain are people in that we're willing to try anything and go to any lengths, not just to, to feel better, but just to feel nothing for a while? There's a lot of ways that we numb ourselves. There's a lot of ways we just mock and ignore Jesus. So, so here in Luke, when, when Luke addresses the sign over Jesus, this is the king of the Jews, actually he uses the wording that should literally be translated, king of the Jews, this one. It's almost at the end, there's an arrow pointing right here. So is the cross just a, a stunt gone wrong to impress us, or is it a sacrifice made on our behalf to address the deepest part of who we are? And that's what I believe, and I hope you believe that too. So what does the cross address? Let's come near the cross. The cross addresses our need before God for forgiveness forgiveness. So notice, and I think this is the reason we remember Jesus' crucifixion, but we, we rarely remember any other crucifixion because of the words Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Now, I want you to notice the placement of this prayer. I want you to notice the placement of these words. Jesus said forgiveness before the soldiers did all these things, before they took his clothes, before they went numb, before they mocked him, before they ignored him, before all of those things, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. That tells something about God and the nature of, of forgiveness that before we have even sinned, there is in front of us the possibility, the availability of that forgiveness. Jesus didn't die on the cross for hype. He died on the cross to bring us hope, hope of a restored relationship with God through the forgiveness of our sins, that Jesus has done everything that needs to be done to restore our relationship with God. So I come back to that question again, how's your heart today? How's your heart? Carl Menninger, he's not exactly a, a lightweight in psychiatry circles, he said this, and I I think it's probably a bit of an overstatement, but he makes a point maybe by hyperbole. He says 75% of people could walk out of psychiatric hospitals tomorrow if they could just accept the fact they are forgiven. And I wonder how, so, how much of our, our own mental anguish, our physical pains, all of the things that plague us in life, how much of that would go away if we could just know 
beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are forgiven. Would you come near the cross? This is what Jesus is trying to address with the human heart. We're getting ready to go to Israel here in just a, a couple of weeks. But the last time I was there with a group from our church, now it's been about six, seven years ago, we went to the church of the Holy Sepulchre. This is where Jesus was buried, but also this church contains, this church was built on top of the site where historically speaking, it, it stands up that Jesus was probably crucified on this small outcropping of rock, a place called the Skull. And you can go in and you can see still that the bare rock of what probably was Mount Calvary. It's hard to visualize now that a big church has been built on top of it. But there's a hole in the rock where, and again, if it's not this exact place, it might be over here a couple of yards, but it's believed that this is where they dropped down the cross into a hole as it would stand upright and hold Jesus. And so you can stand in line and you can go up to this little outcropping of rock and you can put your hand in there and just feel the rock. You can't touch the cross. It's wood. It's decomposed. It's gone. But you can put your hand in that hole. It's kind of a mysterious thing. I've been there twice and I'm not expecting that this would happen again. But at one point, I looked around in the church of the Holy Sepulchre and in this area, I was all by myself. I was all by myself here with this outcropping of rock that Jesus very possibly could have been crucified right here and to put my hand in. Now, that's not the nearest to the cross that I've ever been. The nearest to the cross that I've ever been is when I was a small kid, eight years old, on an orange couch in Gallup, New Mexico, when I heard the words of John 3.16 really for the first time, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the cross. And whoever believes in him will never perish but have life. The cross is not a stunt. It's a sacrifice. It's not about hype. It's about restoring hope of a new relationship with God, listen, that heals the human heart. I know I often do this, but I'm going to do this as long as I have breath. I don't care how long that you say you've been a Christian, but maybe you've never truly experienced forgiveness or hope because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. A couple of ways you can go about this. You can just say yes to God. Yes. I believe and I receive forgiveness from the cross. Another way of saying that is Jesus is Lord. Can I address one more thing? Because it's so easy we, we can come to the cross and we say, well, I have all these sins, I want to be forgiven, but I don't feel forgiven. It is not about your feelings. Here's 1 John 1, 9. It says that, that God is faithful and just. If we confess our sins and repent of them, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, if you think about those two words, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, okay? Why did John choose those words? Well, Jesus is faithful. If you confess your sins, he will certainly forgive your sins. But God is also just, meaning that Christ has already paid the cost for your sin. He's already paid that price. God is just. He's not going to make you pay for what Jesus already paid for. So it's not about a matter of you feeling forgiven. 
It's a matter of taking God at his word and understanding that he is faithful to you. And he brings healing to the human heart. Father, thank you for an opportunity to come near the cross, even through the hardened heart of these soldiers. And many times our hearts are hard as well. Would you soften them just a bit today? With the idea that we have need of forgiveness, and that forgiveness is available right here, right now. So join me if you need to in just saying, yes. Join me if you need to in saying, Jesus is Lord. God, it's not about our feelings. It's about your faithfulness. Thank you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of each worship service on Sunday morning, I offer a simple blessing, and I offer that blessing to you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may God grant you peace, both now and forever. Amen.